It's Saturday night and I'm on Auckland's K Road, one of the places to go to if you want to catch a live gig. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and today the detail looks at what COVID-19 has done to New Zealand music, an industry worth up to half a billion dollars. I'm heading to Whammy Bar in St Kevin's Arcade, just off K Road, where musicians like Marlon Williams, Tiny Ruins and Nadia Reid played their first gigs. The place is filling up and that's just what co-owner Tom Anderson wants. People have been coming out. You know, to, yeah. Because music venues, musicians and all the behind the scenes workers are suffering. Yes, they're limping back to normal, but there's one missing ingredient and that's international acts. That I normally do because I work as a sound engineer and uh, production manager for yeah. Live Nation and festivals and a bunch of different acts. So I normally do all the, um, all the tours and festivals and stuff. But it's been great because we've, we've spent the last couple of months fixing this place up, you know, so... We're perched in the corner of the bar talking about why a place like this, so important to New Zealand music, is still struggling. Hosted a multitude of wide variety of acts over that time. Uh, main room's 200 capacity and, and back room's 100 capacity and before people go off and do tours and, and bigger shows, they need to start somewhere and, and we also act as a rehearsal space for a lot of local acts as well. So everyone who works is a musician or engaged in, in the ecosystem some way, so it's, it's a community and a, and a cultural hub as well as, as being a place for people to play. You know? So it's a vital part of what Tom calls the music ecosystem, but when COVID-19 hit, Whammy shut early. As lockdown dragged on, they were in serious financial trouble and there were times when they thought they would have to close permanently. Overheads for everybody um, have been pretty crazy. I mean, there was a lot of conversations that we had around, depending on how long this was going to go for. Um, similar venues in the in the States and, and Europe are starting to close. A music venue is... It, it's not a cash cow. It's, it's, it's done out of love, and when you, when you lose your primary income, um, it becomes really hard to justify sort of that pouring out the door every day after day. So it was touch and go there for a while, as with a lot of venues, didn't know when it was going to end and whether whether it was worth sitting that out and having those battles with the landlords and suppliers and things that were owed money. You know? And then something special happened. Fortunately, a, a group of friends, Rick Fountain, uh, Matthew Crawley, Ruben Bonner, they put together the boosted campaign for us that then got so much support with we raised $50,000 in the first eight hours from the community across both Wemi and, and Wine Cellar. And I must admit, I was sitting in bed that night reading through all the messages of support and shedding a few tears of, of relief and, and emotion because we all take a lot for granted. And it's moments like that that show how much support people have. Running businesses are a huge expense, so by the time we split the money down, paid the taxes, paid off the rent and the, and the suppliers. We're like, okay, uh, <laughs> now what do we do? But more so the actual community support that that engendered. Like, so we have you know, a much better network now between uh, venues throughout the country, you know, lines to um, the Music Commission and other things through the Save Our Venues campaign that we, that we launched off the back of it. So because we did so well, we thought, let's roll with that and help other places do that. And then, uh, so Foosted came on board, Music Helps came on board, helped see 30 different um, campaigns throughout April, May, June. The venue funding that happened through the government um, that's coming out soon, that was directly 
uh, influenced, I think, by what we were doing with Sadler Benny's campaign. And the fundraiser was a lifesaver, and on Thursday, June the 11th, it reopened its doors with Cindy. At 8pm, and by 9pm, the entire place was packed. Singer was crowd surfing over the top of them, and everyone was... It was just a beautiful, joyous moment. The bars doing well on those nights but we're not having enough of those nights currently so I can't see us getting up to full capacity again until the borders are open and we're able to do international shows and that's for us as a small venue as you get up the, further up the chain with the power stations town halls, spark arenas, etc. The majority of their income is based on international shows. A lot of us were banking on the bubble border being open with Australia and then potentially somewhere like Singapore, um, particularly for bringing, you know, an act might come over, quarantine for a couple of weeks over here and then be able to, you know, spend a month or so touring New Zealand and Australia. With the way things are in Australia at the moment, I'm seeing that getting pushed further and further back. Let's look at what else happened in lockdown. Live streaming took off and some artists, such as Nadia Reid, charged for it. Nadia Reid would normally be off touring in the Northern Hemisphere, so she's lost a big chunk of her income. I'm searching for the permanence so that I can breathe again. And then there were a few lockdown surprises. I'm in the studio now with RNZ Music 101's Charlotte Ryan. Who is this so, guy? Josh685 is from South Auckland. He's 17 years old. Less, you know, only about a year ago he started making music on his computer. And out in South Auckland there's this thing called Siren Beats and the kids ride around on their bikes or with their cars with sirens on the front. Um, and they play these sort of really Pacific Island beats. And so he just wanted to start making them. Um, and he just loaded it up to YouTube, his tune. And then he said he started he- hearing it, you know, the kids playing it on their on their big speakers and cars driving around South Auckland playing it. And then the next thing you know, someone loaded it up to TikTok did a dance for it um, and the dance then sort of got picked up and started spreading wildly and people called it the culture dance because with TikTok you do a dance along with a short 20 seconds of audio and what I think was special about this is because of its Pacific Island beats New Caledonia and uh, Samoa and lots of uh, the Pacific Islands picked it up and they started doing their culture dance to it it's a really simple TikTok dance if I was to teach you a TikTok this would be the first one to learn um, and then since then it just really rapidly took off and right now this week he's sitting at number one in the UK charts number one on the worldwide iTunes charts uh, I think it was number four on Spotify. it's massive and then a guy called Jason Derulo who's a huge American star heard it and he's put vocals over it if I woke up without you I don't know what I would do thought I could be single forever till I met you and what will happen to Joshua now, or is it just kind of a one-hit wonder, happened during lockdown, this incredible time in history, and then that's it? I hope it won't be a one-hit wonder. He's now signed with management, um, and they're a New Zealand management-based company called Page One Management. They also have offices in America. I hope that they will now guide him to keep making beats and keep working with other other musicians and producers. It is strange, though, because right now, usually what you do to a big star like that, and same with Benny, she would usually be touring the world right now. Now, getting up at 5am to do interviews, you know, you know, in bed at 1am in the morning because, you know, your day's full with promo. But because they're stuck in New Zealand, 
they are quite limited about you know how much they can do. So it is an interesting time, but it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and and talking about Benny, she had a song called Super Lonely, which became almost like the anthem to lockdown. LA Times did this massive piece on Benny and they said this is the you know the lockdown anthem because it was really perfect timing it talks about her being lonely at home and and you know the lyrics just fit really well for being in lockdown and also that song had massive success on TikTok too and since that success yeah, she's been featured in international press like the LA Times and the Guardian. Also, she was on the TV mm. show Ellen last week. She was on the Jimmy Fallon show performing. performing the summer breakout smash hit. I love this song. Am I too old to love this song? I might be. I don't know. I love it. I love the song. I love her voice. I love the whole thing. Uh, anyways, she's making her TV debut. Benny with Gus Dapperton here is Super Lonely. And usually, as mentioned before, these artists would be touring around the world, but instead, because of lockdown, they're in New Zealand. So she's been doing these performances in her house, quote-unquote, which really isn't her house. It's Roundhead Studios, which is Neil Finn's studio just in Auckland. And, um, and so she's getting massive exposure, even though she's based in Auckland still. So in a way, coronavirus has been good for these two individuals, but... It's been bad for music venues because they are the lifeblood of so many uh, successful musicians in New Zealand. They're the lifeblood and they're also the pillar. So for bands, for artists like Tammy Nielsen, Reb Fountain, they got their first experience playing live in New Zealand at these venues. And it's really good to nourish and sort of nurture the the young musicians. That's where they play their first gigs. So if there's no venue for them to play, then that sort of stops the eco-circle in a sense of the music industry. But what you're saying is that they're not quite back to the level that they were before coronavirus came along. Well, it's really early days. I did some investigation to see if any bars have closed, and to my knowledge, none. However, the Christchurch Theatre Royal was very, very close. And also, the Q Theatre in Queen Street, Auckland, apparently hasn't reopened, and, and everyone's a bit nervous about that. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. I think that in coming weeks, more shows will be announced, and you know, New Year's Eve festivals have been announced, and, and I think hopefully it will just build back up to the norm, but it's not quite there yet. Speaking of the big festivals because of course Glastonbury in the UK isn't going to happen in the usual way, it's all gone online which makes you think, oh well what's going to happen with the festivals in New Zealand? I suppose the good thing is that our festivals are in summer so it's another five, six months away. Yeah. But there have been some announcements? There has those. been. Last week, Rhythm and Alps, which is an um, outdoor music camping festival in the South Island in Cadrona, in the Cadrona Valley, they announced their New Year's Eve festival, three-day festival. The lineup is amazing. It's 100% New Zealand, but they've got the creme de la creme. The headliners are 660, Fat Freddy's Drop, Shapeshifter and Benny. So they are all artists that could potentially sell out their own you know, gigs. And this is how quickly things are changing. The country's biggest summer music festival, Bay Dreams 2021. Tauranga, January 3rd. Nelson, January 5th, featuring... Flume. 
Just this week, organisers of Bay Dreams in Mount Maunganui named Australian bands in the lineup. But with borders still closed and danger of a second wave, it's a huge, huge risk for the promoters pushing Why? it on. Because if COVID hits again, They've invested so much money already even announcing it. And, and they'll lose it all. They'll, they'll potentially lose it all. Insurance companies don't cover for pandemics. So these promoters are announcing these festivals without any insurance. I mean, they have insurance if there's an earthquake, if there's a fire, anything like that, but not for COVID-19. And they need, they need thousands to come along to make them viable? Completely. They also have to spend more money these days on COVID, keeping everyone's names and numbers, on having lots of hand sanitizers everywhere. You know, it's definitely a bigger risk than any other time. Well, they have to do some kind of contact tracing. Definitely. Absolutely. That's another cost. But apparently it is quite straightforward because when you buy tickets, you often do put in your name and address and phone number. I spoke to a promoter earlier in the week, actually, and um, they they said, well, I'm just an optimist, (laughs) which I am as well. But I worry for them greatly. Yeah. So that's starting. Rhythm and Alps is going ahead. Yep. Rhythm and Vines, which is the huge festival that happens in Gisborne, that's been going for many, many years. That is actually 90% sold out already. However, that's sold out before COVID. So it'll be interesting to see whether all those people still attend, or maybe some people might be still nervous to attend a festival. I mean, I think it's the younger demographic, though. Mm. And I don't know if they care so much or worry so much. In the first big post-lockdown concert, reggae band LAB performed to a sellout crowd in Spark Arena on Friday. They're a local band, but again, the missing ingredient is international acts. All the international concerts that were supposed to be happening during lockdown or even in these following months have either been cancelled or postponed. Some of them that were meant to happen in April have been postponed till December. However, I went online the other day and you still can't buy tickets for these December shows. Such as? Such as the National. The National was supposed to be coming with Phoebe Bridges and they have rescheduled for December the 8th and 9th, I think. However, you can't go on and buy tickets at the moment. Mm-hmm. The Ticketek sort of just takes you to this weird place and you sort of get lost. So at the moment, shows are being postponed to 2021 later in the year, and I think promoters are just crossing their fingers. Um, the, there are positives, though, for internationals not coming, in the sense that these local artists now have no competition. So, say if um, you know Fat Freddy's Drop do a local tour, they potentially will will get more attention and will sell more tickets because they're not competing against all these other international bands that are coming. Also, the other positive thing is that they might get to use sound systems and big speakers that the international artists would have used. Speaking of Fat Freddy's Drop, Mm. they were actually caught in Europe when the world went into lockdown with coronavirus. Fat Freddy's Drop were one of the first New Zealand bands to be affected by COVID. They left New Zealand kind of knowing that something could be happening, you know, overseas. Um, And then within two days of them landing in Europe, they played one show and then the rest of them were all cancelled because at that time there was limitations of 500 people. And when they play Europe, they play to five or 6,000 people. And that was a massive, massive thing for the band, financially mostly, um, because for a European tour for Fat Freddy's Drop, that pays them so well, that could be their yearly income for each member. They had to fly back early. Um, they left all their gear over in Europe with the hope that COVID would die quickly and then you know, then they'd be able to go back and do another tour because they do two European tours usually in a year. Um, however, they've had to fly back their, all their gear recently, which was a huge expense. Um, and, yeah, it's been hugely disappointing for them. 
Yeah, there have been a range of sectors in New Zealand that have been absolutely decimated by COVID-19. One of them is the arts and creative sector. This is a sector that contributes to $11 billion to GDP, employs 90,000 people. Uh, and according to some of the forecasting we've had, this is also a sector that's twice as likely um, to be harder hit than the rest of the economy uh, because of COVID-19. In May, the government announced $175 million, a package that, to boost the arts and creative sector. And within that, the New Zealand Music sort of recovery fund, we got $16.5 million. And it's been divvied out amongst New Zealand On Air and the New Zealand Music Commission and um, New Zealand musicians and bands and anyone in the New Zealand music industry who's been affected by COVID can apply for this funding because of the loss of income that they have, you know, had since COVID. So $5 million is going into live music touring. So that's safe for Fat Freddy's Drop. Uh, when they went over to Europe, they obviously lost a lot of income. But even bringing their gear back from Europe uh, during COVID could have cost between fifteen and $20,000. So they can apply for funding to get help for that fact, which is really, really exciting. Also, at the time of COVID, just before we went into lockdown, about 13 New Zealand bands were meant to take off to South by Southwest Festival. This is a huge festival in Texas, America. It's, and, and it's obviously really important to them because really, what, it gives them some exposure to a gives, massive audience. Totally. So it's almost like an, you're performing to A&R people so, and other record companies and touring companies. So it's a really... A&R, sorry. Artist and repertoire. Okay. So that's a person from a record company. They will come along and say, I like you, I want to sign you to my record label. Um, and... Uh, and for them, even getting a visa to America, especially during these Trump times, a visa can cost between five and $10,000, um, and that's just suddenly gone, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these artists as well, like Nadia Reid and Reb Fountain, who we were supposed to be heading over, they were then going to continue touring America and then potentially, you know, going over to Europe too. So they've booked venues, flights, accommodation, visas. It's a lot of money lost. How much would they lose on something like that? Say if you've got an eight-piece band, that's a lot because a visa, American visas for an eight-piece band could potentially cost $15,000. Then flights. So we're talking about tens of thousands. Absolutely. And, and for young up-and-coming musicians from New Zealand... That's big money. It's huge money, especially when they're not going to make the income because usually then you'd make money from these shows, from these tours, on merchandise, on T-shirts, you make a lot of money. So they're not making any money. So it's really a massive, massive loss. So there's some money that's gone out there, public money. Are people happy with how it's been distributed? Is it clear that it's been well distributed and got out there to the right people? Initial thoughts are very grateful and thank you. The musicians and the industry are hugely thankful and grateful because previous governments haven't supported the arts so much. And often in times of trauma or pain um, or, you know, during the Christchurch mosque attack, the first thought is what music should we play? So musicians often come in and they're important. They're such an important part of um, supporting others. So I think this time when they needed support, it was really gratefully received. We don't quite yet know how all the funding will be distributed. However, just last week, the New Zealand Music Commission have announced this Make Good Fund. And it's very clear any musicians who have lost money financially due to COVID can apply for it. The application forms are very straightforward and simple. I mean, we're talking about a $400 million industry here, aren't Mm. we? And so that's potentially a lot of income lost 
over this period of time. It's a massive amount of income loss and still going on because of the loss of international shows as well. That's where a lot of work would happen. There's a company called College Hill. Um, they're an audio company, or you know, they they hire speakers and microphones and all that sort of stuff. Apparently, they and other businesses like them are just really, really nervous because they don't have these big shows coming through. And that's not only music shows; it's comedy shows, you know, theatre, everything. It's just not happening at the moment. Definitely nothing like what we, you know we were seeing before. And that's and that's for hundreds of, of my friends that work in the industry over here. And then a lot of people who would normally be overseas right now, New Zealanders working in, in uh, touring capacities or venue capacities or whatever over there, they're all back here as well and they're vying for work. And so it becomes it's quite an interesting kind of mood out there of like, okay, well, what do we do? What do we do now? As of next week, I don't really, I've got three shows in the next three months. So there's going to be a few difficult kind of questions being asked and people are diversifying into all sorts of different areas. You know, so. And I've got friends who were some of the top production managers in Australia who are now stacking shelves in a cold supermarket. Me and 50 of my closest friends in the industry spent 11 weeks out at Spark Arena running a food distribution program throughout that time. Some people are leaving the industry and deciding that you know they're going to train up and do something different um, and, and close down their companies. And then the problem will be when everything does come back and we have a, uh, a really bustling summer and we've lost some of the suppliers, some of the contractors, yeah, and the gear isn't there. So that, that's a concern as well as to how to keep things being supported along. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Rangi Poak and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Tom Anderson and Charlotte Ryan. Kakite anō. Ooh.